connections to other adults is something we miss a lot when we become parents. Our only connections usually come from going to work. You connect with adults there, but you're connecting with them on work stuff. One thing you lose is you lose some friends. You lose just connections to like-minded adults that enjoy the same things you do. Today, we talk with Damon Cox, the founder of the Indiana Dads Facebook Group, the largest group for dads in Indiana. And it's a great resource and connection to find like-minded dads that are just trying to enjoy life and maybe find some connections along the way. Let's get into it. Welcome, daddios, to the Indie Dads Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Reese, a dad who's trying just like you. And this show is dedicated to the joys and challenges of fatherhood in Indiana and beyond. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Indie Dads Podcast. Because when it comes to being a dad, we're all in this together. Today we talk with Damien Cox. Not only is he the founder of the Indiana Dads Facebook group, he also has a very unique career that has helped him in his fatherhood. He helps at-risk juveniles have success in life and working with them has helped him in his fatherhood with his kids we had a great conversation love the insight and you will too all right damien thank you so much for joining us today i always like to start this out with just kind of describing how you became a dad okay well i my wife and i met in high school we have been together. We're starting our sixth year together. So we've almost been together more of our lives than we haven't, which feels weird and bizarre. So we were just kind of like, whatever, we have a kid, great. And then it happened. And I remember when my wife told me, I was like, oh shit. It's like, <laughs> this is real. Like, this is real now. And Matthew was born in February of 2018, and it's been an adventure ever since. Yeah, that's you're never ready for it. <laughs> no, no, and and I wasn't when I when we were going through the pregnancy. A friend had told me who's older had told me moms are moms when they're pregnant, and dads are dads when they hold their baby. And maybe that's not true for everyone, but it really was true for me. I remember that I saw my son. And held it in my arms. And I knew at that point in time that like literally nothing else in life mattered. Like I would die for this child. I would fight a grizzly bear for this child. Like I would do anything for this child. And it was like a, a, a feeling that I'd never felt before in my entire life. And, and it happened the moment I got to hold him for the first time, just like my buddy had said it would. It, it is very, that first one, like you just have no, you don't have that connection that the mom does. Like she, she's like literally growing the child inside of yep. her and they have a physical connection and yep. you're just, you're getting yelled at because you're eating the wrong food. And <laughs> so for you, it's like a harder time <laughs> with your, with your wife usually. And so it's definitely, once you hold that child, completely changes you and it's yeah. a feeling. 
Yeah, it really was. I, when we, it was a, a C-section birth. And so we had to stay for an extra day and they were like, all right, well, we're going to discharge. And I was like, today we just got him. Nobody told us anything. What are we supposed to do? And somehow, and I don't know if this is like mom's intuition or what, but like my wife just knew how to do everything. I was like, which way do the diapers go? How often? Like, how much is he supposed to eat? He just keeps eating. Do I just keep feeding it? But she's like, she knew all the answers already. And that just seems so crazy to me. And even today, I'll be like, how much Motrin does so-and-so get? And she'll be like, the exact amount that he, oh, he weighs this amount and he gets this amount. And I'm like, okay, I, I believe you. Yeah, it, it is incredible because like, I think it went with part because they, when they, they grow up, they're kind of, if it's not, not necessarily have to, but they're kind of growing up more with siblings or cousins and trying to help out raise them. And we're just trying to beat each other up as kids. And we don't have yep. that, that, you know, that fatherly instinct until we hold that child. And it, it's true. Like the first diaper I changed, I was like, why is the poop black? I was like, I'm not ready for that. I didn't expect yeah. that. So it was, <laughs> you have, we're never prepared. <laughs> no, the- we're not. No, dads just aren't. It boggles my mind whether whatever your beliefs are that regardless of that, that a human body can grow a, a living being, supply the food for that living being and take care of that living being. Like it just, the whole thing blows my mind. Like I became more in love with my wife and more in all of her being a mother, like watching that happen. Like it was just, it was truly an ins- like inspiring moment, I guess. Yeah. That's, I don't know if you've ever seen those videos of like the, where they put the sensors on the guys and to do cramps or pregnancy. And like, yeah, I, my wife keeps threatening me to do that. <laughs> I was like, I've seen yeah. how you've built. I, I'm weak. I don't want to even try. Yeah. Nope. I've, I've, I've been a pretty high pain tolerance. I've been through some painful situations in life and that's not one I would be willing to bear. So I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> no, no. And so, so besides like that, that love feeling, what else has surprised you about being a dad? I was surprised. And I think I was honestly, I was actually having conversations with my wife not long ago about the, uh, something similar. I was surprised at how fun it is. Because who wants to hang out with uh, a, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old? But like, it's so different when it's yours. But I, I was, I was genuinely surprised at, at how fun it is. Like, nothing makes me more excited than knowing we have a free weekend and I get to hang out with my kids and, and wife all weekend, or we're going on an adventure, or we're going on vacation together. I was genuinely surprised at the level of fun because everybody's all like, "Oh, good luck! You're gonna be so tired for the rest of your <laughs> life," and like. Yeah, I am tired. That's just part of it. But there's so much more than that. Like every single stage has been so fun. And getting to relive it with my second has been even more exciting. It was like, I know what's coming mm-hmm. and, and I can like watch out for what's coming because I've already witnessed it with my oldest. Yeah, it it is a big change where like, yeah, you lose out on friend time and all that fun that you used to have, but it's a completely yeah. different fun. And like everything is exciting to them. Like they just love to do everything new for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't even have to try. Like I just show up and my youngest is so excited. And all I have to do is like, my son will 
do a barrel roll. And he's like, was that the coolest thing ever? I'm like, yeah, it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like, there, it takes zero effort. <laughs> I had to try for nothing. Yeah. I don't have to impress anybody. They think I'm great. And so I'm going to soak men in for as long as possible because I know that won't always be the case. Yeah. That is, it is an amazing that, that joy or that shock no, where they're just like, when they see something new. There's definitely uh, a level of innocence that exists in, in kids around this age that I'm going to fight my hardest to protect at all costs because once that's gone, things change, like your outlook changes. And like right now, my oldest, he doesn't know that evil exists in the world. Like he knows some people are mean or some people are rude or some people could hurt him, but he doesn't know the evil that exists. And I think, wow, what a great outlook to have. And so why not protect that at all costs so that we can be super excited about the minimal things in life for a kid. Yeah, that's, that's definitely difficult. How, how do you kind of handle that? like evil trying to protect them from the evil in the world because that's a, that's the biggest challenge and there's always like it can always get into your life so simply just by something on the tv or something you drive by yeah i think there's a, a fine line because if you over shelter then you run into a situation where they're 15 16 17 years old and don't know the evil that exists but i think early exposure is tough too and so there, there's a fine line and, and it's not really anything I can explain. I think it's more of like, as things come up, we just kind of explain them. My wife and I were never like baby talk or try and hide things. My five-year-old knows that, that sometimes bad things happen and sometimes people pass away and sometimes people get sick and he knows those things. Then there's a the conversation of like, but mommy and daddy are okay. Our grandparents are okay. It's not... I, I don't know that something I can explain is more of like, it's kind of taken up on a case-by-case basis, honestly, just trying to do my best. It's probably the wrong answer. It's probably the right answer. I don't know what they are, but it's, it's the best in the moment. And that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. We try to do kind of a similar thing, try to protect them as much as we can, because I feel like the more they don't see that, the more they're going to gravitate to good things. Absolutely. If you're, around people that are getting hammered drunk or doing drugs or something, well, they're going to think that's normal and they're going to maybe gravitate to that easier than if they're like, oh, that freaks me out. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to go to something yeah. different. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I see that in, in my line of work. So I work with delinquent youth in the county that I live in. And I, I see that all the time where kids were brought up, exposed to all of those things. And because they were at such a young age, they think it's normal. Several years ago, I wasn't part of this study, but someone told me about it. That there was, we did a study in our detention center for a year. And we had asked all of the kids, if you thought it was normal that mom or dad went to jail, if you thought it was normal that the police shut up your house, if you thought it was normal that your utilities got shut off or you went to bed hungry. And so many of them, an overwhelming majority of them thought that was just normal life. They didn't know anything different. And so what you said is absolutely right. When, when they're exposed to that very specific kind of thing, whatever it is, whether it's good or bad, that's going to be their normal. And so my job and that for my career is to try and expose these kids to a new normal. My job as a dad is to make sure that my kid knows that the normal we live is the life that I want him to live in his future. Yeah, that's definitely great. And it has got to, like, how does that, your career affects your parents because I know in that aspect it does, but like 
dealing with kids that are dealing with challenges a lot more than your kids are going to have to deal with probably. Yeah. My, my career has a huge impact on the, the way that I parent. So everything that we do in our, in our juvenile justice system is kind of trauma-based. And so when kids come in, we give them an assessment to determine where they're at when it comes to their childhood trauma they've experienced so far. So we use what's called the adverse childhood experience assessment or the ACEs assessment. And so what we know is that a kid with at least one ACE is dramatically more likely to use drugs, to attempt suicide, to skip school. We know that a kid with four or more ACEs has a risk factor times 30 for committing suicide, for dropping out of school before they finish, like in the sophomore, junior year, and being arrested at least twice. Those are the, that's the kind of the data we roll with. And so what we do is we go in, we kind of give a baseline of where they're at. And so our average that we, of the kids we deal with is around three, like two thousand five three. And so we know that we have our hands full with that. And so because of what we do and, and how we communicate with them, because believe it or not, you can't just like go up to a teenager and say, do this because I said so. It doesn't work on my five-year-old, doesn't work on a 15-year-old. <laughs> and so we use what's called trauma-based relational intervention, EBRI, based out of Texas Christian University. And that's an attachment style based uh, trauma informed care. And what that does is it changes the way that you communicate with the youth, because when you go through the training, you have an understanding of how their brain is working. So my five-year-old, when he wakes up in the morning, he's grouching. We're in a hurry, yelling at him, telling him to hurry up and get dressed, telling him to hurry up and eat breakfast. All that does is delay us more because he shuts down. He goes and it's downstairs, right? We call. If I can sit down and explain to him for two minutes and say, we're very late. I need you to hurry. I need you to get dressed. We'll get breakfast on the way. We'll get out the door. He's much more likely to comply because he knows what's happening. He knows the transition. He knows where we're going. We do the same thing with the, the teenagers I work with. They don't have to guess anything. They know exactly what's going on, when it's happening and why it's happening. And all of that is based off of trauma-informed care. If you think about it, if you take a, a teenager or even an adult who's been through traumatic experiences, they want to know the who, what, when, where, why all the time. Why are we going here? Why are we taking this way? Why is this happening? The same is true for a, a child. My five-year-old wants to know why we're going this way. Why did we go that way? Why can't we go do this first? And it's not because he's had a traumatic childhood. He's curious. And for a teenager that's had a traumatic childhood, if we don't answer those questions, it can lead them to, to, to a trigger and, and, and panicking. With my five-year-old, he wants to know why, because he needs to. He needs that transition time. He needs to know that we're leaving home, then we're stopping here, and then we're going to school. Because if not, it throws off his whole pattern. He doesn't know what's happening. So everything that I've learned in my career, even with dealing with teenagers, I take home and I can use it on my five-year-old. And it has made me a 10,000 times better parent because I understand where my kid is coming from and I understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. And he understands how I'm communicating with him. That's amazing. Did you have this career before you became a father? I did. Well, kind of. I worked, I've always worked in case management. I've, I've dabbled around in law enforcement, worked in case management worked with adult offenders, high-level felons in Indianapolis. 
And then I kind of transitioned into teenagers. I didn't know I was going to like working with teenagers. I was like, I'll take this job. We'll just see how it goes. I'll just find a new one. Now we're on eight years later and <laughs> here I am playing a bigger part than what I did eight years ago. But I, I had the job before he was born, but it wasn't until like really the last four years that we kind of started this transition into TBRI. And the more I dive into it, the more I read about it, the, the easier it is to understand a child's brain. That's awesome. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know whether like you had it before and like maybe that scared you more into being a dad. <laughs> when you see the worst that can happen with kids, yeah, that can definitely scare you more. Absolutely. And that plays a part into it. And, and my career does have an impact on on that kind of stuff. When you work with the, the kids that I do and you see the people that have hurt them or caused them pain, that that triggers me into like, oh, I can't trust any of these adults. And so I have to tell myself, I need to, to take a step back and relax. It'll be okay. We've talked to him. He knows what he's allowed to do. He knows what he can tell us. Our goal's always been to try and create an environment, even at five years old, that my kid knows that he can ask for what he needs, whether it's for us to leave him alone, whether it's for us to help him with something. Because if we can help him with that kind of stuff and he can be vulnerable around us, he'll help us. He'll ask us the stuff that's harder later in life. He knows that we'll be able to provide him that help. Yeah. Communication's so important, even at a young age. Like It's amazing. Oh, yes. Like, just how like you talked about telling him the steps you were going to do and just... How that puts them at ease and it feels them yeah they feel more comfortable asking questions and understanding yeah. just what's going on in their life because everything's new to them everything is just yeah. a, a brand new Absolutely. thing and they can be scared of it or they could be happy about it you just yeah it's how you present it yeah and then i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie and sit here and say that i never get upset or like get <laughs> frustrated or like have those parent moments where i'm just like oh my gosh i can't handle this anymore that happens to everybody. Even with all the training I have, even with all the all the things, I still get to a point where I'm like, you have got to stop asking me questions because I can't answer <laughs> them anymore. I go to work and I get asked questions. Like I'm home and I get asked questions. I'm like, I can't make any more decisions today. <laughs> I don't care what you have for dinner. I don't care what we do. Just please leave me alone for 10 minutes. And that's okay. Mental health for parents is something that's so important. Especially for, for dudes, we don't like talking about our mental health at all. And so it's something where I have a problem saying, like, I need 10 minutes. Like, I need a few minutes to decompress and calm down. And that is what it is. I'm asking for what I need. I try to teach my kid that. If I'm trying to try and teach my kid that, I need to be able to do that as well. That's great. And you, you mentioned talking about dads needing things like that. You started a Facebook group that's getting real popular, the Indie, Dad, Indie Facebook yeah. group. Yeah, that's, a, that's where we connected. So what what led to you starting that group? Oh, man, COVID. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw it was 2020, so I was like, I I'm, I'm sure it was a COVID thing. But <laughs> yeah, I, how do you make friends when you're in your 30s? Like legitimate question. I need to we, know. We, we literally, I, I did an episode like about a month or two back about finding friends like as a dad, because it's, it's yeah. difficult to find new friends. I mean, everyone already either has friends or they just don't want to come in. House. We're just too tired. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Finding friends is difficult as a dad, especially when you're in your thirties yeah. and forties. Yeah. So I literally to my wife one day, I was like, 
I need people, <laughs> whether it's online or what. And so there's all those dad groups all over Facebook. And I was like, I wonder if there's one for Indiana. And I kept searching and searching and then there wasn't. I kept looking and looking again and there wasn't. And I was like, my wife goes, why don't you just make one? And I was mm-hmm. like, that's preposterous. Like, I can't do anything like that. And so I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Like, we'll just see this. I was expecting like, we'll get 10 people like mm-hmm. around that would want to join. And then like that 10 became 30. And I remember hitting a hundred and I was like, wow, this is so cool. We got a hundred dads mm-hmm. all over the state. And then it became two and three and four and five and six. And now I think we're like at 1200, which in the grand scheme of things, isn't a big population, but it's 1200 dabs that weren't connected before. No, it is 1200 dabs that have an outlet. It's yeah. 1200 dabs who know what we're going through. Whether I have a five-year-old and someone else has a 25-year-old, we're still dad. And I thought there needed to be a place where I could go and say like, hey, this is happening. Is this normal? Or someone can ask that question and I could respond with, oh yeah, I've been through that before. It's happened. It, it'll be okay. And there just wasn't a space for that. And, and so I was like, well, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> so yeah, Indiana Dads was born three years ago and we've done a couple of things. It, it's hard because someone from South Bend can't hang out with somebody in Evansville. Yeah. But there's a lot of dads there are, are, are local to, to Indianapolis. And then I know there's been at least two different situations where there were two different groups of the northern half of the state that got connected through the Facebook group and went, I don't know, hung out and did whatever dad do. And and we did the same here. We got together and grabbed drinks and talked about how stressful life is. And that's what it is. That's awesome. Like I was kind of the, the same way starting this podcast was a similar situation. <laughs> like I was trying to find somewhere to talk about being a dad and everything. And, and so I was like, I can... Maybe you start this and I know how, like, I, I was thinking about starting a podcast. I was like, well, I know how to do something with sports or being a dad. There's a whole, whole bunch of sports things. I was like, I'll be, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to dads about things local. Cause yeah, it's, it's, no, that's uh, super cool. Much more braver than I am. <laughs> I can be an extrovert and I can be like, oh yeah, this, that, whatever. But to do a podcast, that's like a whole next level uh, of work that I, I couldn't do. Facebook, that's easy. I can accept people or deny people. I have the power. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it was a little scary. Like, I, I didn't actually attend to start interviewing dads. Like, I was just like, oh, I'll talk about going to this place and different dad skills you could have. And then, like, one one guy kind of reached out to me about wanting to be on there. And I was like, okay. Like, I was so, so nervous the first time. Yeah. I was like... I've never done an interview of like any kind. I've never talked to anybody about being a dad, really. Like it's something that I think that's great about the Facebook group is like you can post something that you have questions about or be vulnerable about because there's kind of that anonymity factor a little bit. Like, and so you can kind of be more real where we we don't do that in person. Dads usually don't talk about real things. No, we don't. It's, it's an issue. Men's mental health is something that oh, we don't want to talk about it because dads are strong. Men are strong and powerful. They shouldn't be vulnerable. And really, that's just a, a bunch of baloney. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, to be honest. Because reality is, is that men have more often, significantly more likely, to come up with a suicidal plan, a suicide plan, to attempt suicide and to go through with suicide at, a, at an alarming rate. And so... I. We, we have to be willing to talk about those things. We have to be willing to uh, be vulnerable in, the, in those ways. 
Because if we're not, all we're doing is like deepening that stigma that we can't talk about it. The moment someone says, oh, I've struggled with this. Oh, well, that changes everything because someone else also struggled with this. And now they know that other people have also struggled with the same thing that they have. And, and, and I was the same way years ago, pre-COVID. It was like, I don't want to, I'm private. I'm going to talk about it. Different things mm-hmm. to talk about. And, and if there was a good thing that happened with COVID, there was a huge shift in focus on managing mental health mm-hmm. because of the isolation, because of the changes that were happening. There was a big shift to you have to focus on your mental health. And because of that, it, it led me to, to really take charge of my own mental health and go talk to my doctor, go see a therapist, because life's hard. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It's just difficult. It can be difficult for anybody for any reason. And sometimes months and months, life is great. And then other times it's like, man, this is a really hard month. I need someone to talk to. Oh, cool. I've got a therapist. I can go see her and and say whatever. And she's going to give me good, solid advice. Or she's going to listen and be like, you're being ridiculous. And you need (laughs) to take a step back and figure it out. And, And now I can say those things in hopes that other guys, whether dads or not, just men in general, can take a look at themselves and say, I'm worthy of admitting that I can't do it all. I'm worthy of admitting that I can't fix everything. Um, and so I'm going to try and fix myself. Mm-hmm. You can't pour what you don't have. Right. And so if I come home every day, stressed to the max, like hair falling out, stress, high heart rate stress, and I come home and my kids are screaming and crying and we're struggling to get dinner made. That's going to be, it's going to lead to a a difficult situation. There's going to be yelling. There could be screaming. It doesn't have to get to that. I can get home. I can manage myself. I can take charge of of myself and my mental health and be compressed and come in and be the dad that I need to be to my kids. Yeah. That's a huge thing. I I think like just being able to know you can talk to somebody or just post on your your group, like uh, just a question or something you're dealing with. From what I've yeah. seen being on there, like everyone's so supportive and they're like given options of different kinds and you know, a wide variety of backgrounds, yep. all the guy, guys in there. And that, that's great to see. And they're active and that's all dads that want to get better. And that's, I think, what's yep. great about it. it it's such a, a challenging thing. I, I like to think about kind of a perspective thing. I don't remember what, who told me this or the story I heard it from, but in Africa, the, the, those remote villages... They don't know what suicide is. They're so focused on living, providing, getting food and water. That's their main focus. They don't even worry about suicide. It's not something that happens in their life. But like we're so blessed in our lives that we don't worry about food and water as much. And like we, it's first world problems. And that's not what's like it's a final solution for a temporary problem. Yeah, absolutely. Suicide is never the issue. A part of my job is I'm a CIT officer. So I teach different parts of, of our practice intervention team curriculum to law enforcement officers in our county. And so I, when I'm talking to these law enforcement officers, I tell them like, hey, just because you are a law enforcement officer, you're at a much higher risk for thinking about suicide and even going through a suicide. Significantly higher than the general population, like four times higher. Mm-hmm. And so I will tell them like, you have to remember whether you're dealing with someone who's feeling suicidal or you yourself is feeling suicidal. Suicide is not the problem. 
right? There's an underlying issue that's making someone feel like suicide is their solution to this perceived problem. And so we can't always fix everything right away. I'm not naive to that. But I do know that every day when I wake up, it's worth it, right? Mm -hmm. And and I try to relay that message to to whether law enforcement or other people in general, like when you wake up, it's still worth it. It might be hard, but it's still worth it. For sure. So overall, I know it's only been five years, but what would you say is your best dad advice you would give to either a new dad or just a dad that's asking for some advice? Yeah, the days are long, the years are short. Um, Someone told me that, someone from our church told me that not long before my first was born. And I remember thinking like, really? Because between the hours of 1 and 5 a.m., that's very long. Okay, (laughs) then it's very, very long. It's a very long, but it's true. The days are long and the years are short. And I can sit here and say like, I can't believe my oldest is five. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe my youngest is already one. Because literally yesterday I was watching my first son be born. The days are long, the years are short. And so taking everything in stride, don't stress the small stuff. If you can't fix it, don't stress it. Finances, life, your career, it's not working. Your family's what's working. And and days are long, the years are short. So enjoy the moment when you can. Yeah, it's so true because you can, the the days are, are long, but you always have the next day too. Like if you make right. a mistake, the next day, your kid probably not going to remember that mistake. Yeah. The next day you're going to try to be better. Like you can, yep. in the next day, and like you're going to have more experience every day of being a yep. dad and you, yeah. you can definitely use that to be better and have a better relationship in, in every aspect. Absolutely. Uh, I think my, my second part to that would also be that be the kid that you needed when you were younger. Sorry, be the adult. You need to be a kid, I guess. Oh, be, the, be the adult that you needed when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what did you need when you were younger from an adult and then give that to your kid? Cause your kid needs it too. Very true. I like to end these kind of on a fun question. Okay. So what would you say, or who would you say is your favorite TV or movie dad? Oh, geez. Like still dumpy, hands down. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. He is just like, I got a lot of my, it was the last one. Like the, the randomness that, that comes from him, the excitement, like you never know what he's going to say or what he's going to do. But you know what? when it came time to defend his kids, defend his family, Bill went hard, right? That's the, the, the fun dad that I want to be. So definitely Phil Dunphy, hands down. I've definitely felt like that before. Like I, I know he does like the musical dances. I'm always doing that with my kids, yeah. like, just, like dancing around. And uh, I just hope my dad jokes are as good as his little philosophy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mine probably aren't. Uh, my kid's really good at jokes. Uh, and I'll tell a joke and he'll be like, that doesn't make any sense. I'll be like, leave me alone, you're five. Yeah, uh, yeah, that. Is that is definitely a fun one? I, I definitely look for him for a laugh all the time. And that llama, that llama clip, my wife just sent me that because she's always trying to buy animals. Me too. I'm always afraid I'm going to come home and she has a llama or a, a cow or something that we have yep. no space for. Yep. My my wife would hear the same thing from me too. Yeah, it's it's always a fun experience. But I want to thank you so much for joining me. It's been great. It, you have any other parting wisdom before we head out? Live life and live it well. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I want to thank Damien for joining us today. Such great insight and so much we can gain from that. And if you haven't already, go on Facebook and join the Indiana Dads Facebook group. It really is a great resource. I know we've mentioned it before on a couple of different episodes, but it is a great resource. Great group of dads that are asking questions and looking for help or just having some fun. Don't miss out on that. So go ahead, join that. And you connect with us in the Indie Dads podcast. You can do that on our socials as well. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Indie Dads Podcast. Or message us on our website, IndieDadsPodcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail or email in our contact section there. We'd love to hear from you because we're all better when we work together. And we're not alone because a dad's work is never done.